Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. This podcast is sponsored by Pioneer Canada. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak to Deb Conlon, Grain Farmers of Ontario's Government Relations Manager, and Rob Gamble, our Chief Economist, about the federal budget, Line 5, and some of the other projects they are working on. And I will have a conversation with our CEO, Crosby Devitt. First, a Grain Talk News update. Grain Farmers of Ontario applauds the federal government's commitment to return a portion of the proceeds from price on pollution directly to farmers. This decision was announced in Budget 2021, tabled by Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Christia Freeland. Beginning this year, farmers will receive rebates equal to about $100 million. The budget also provides funding for climate actions, labour support, and tax measures of benefits to farmers. Keep listening for more details and our analysis on key budget line items during our feature interview. As the COVID-19 pandemic impacts another planting season, farmer members are reminded to review their health and safety protocols. The Ontario government has developed an online resource for farmers to find the most recent information to prevent the spread of COVID-19, including information about prevention, screening, cohorting, outbreak isolation support, health and wellness assessments, social supports, and workplace rights and responsibilities. Go to Ontario.ca slash COVID Farmer Toolkit to access this information. Government funding is also available for farmers and agri-food operators to purchase personal protective equipment, enhance cleaning and disinfection, and redesign workstations to better protect workers. Applications for the Enhanced Agri-Food Workplace Protection Program are available through the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs and can be found at amafra.gov.on.ca. During the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic in spring 2020, farmers that were due to recertify their grower pesticide safety course in 2020 were granted an extension to the end of the year. Currently, the Ontario Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks has indicated that a further extension into 2021 is not being considered. We encourage our farmer members who still need to be recertified or certified to enroll in the Grower Pesticide Safety Course program if you have not already done so. The course is online and available through the Ontario Pesticide Education Program at opep.ca. Looking for good conversation and great agronomic advice? Check out the new Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. Each episode, host Andrew Campbell chats with leading agriculture experts about the latest ag innovation, best practices, tips, tricks, and more. In the latest episode, Andrew and his expert guests discuss seed applied technology, looking at the latest innovations, the value of treatment, new integrated pest management strategies, and what's around the corner. Jam-packed with actionable information, the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast is a must-listen for Canadian farmers who are always striving to improve their yields, Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pioneer.com slash made to grow, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And now, here's my conversation with Deb Conlon and Rob Gamble.
Joining me on the podcast today is Deb Conlon, the Manager of Government Relations, and Rob Gamble, our Chief Economist. Thanks so much for joining us today. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So we wanted to have both of you on today because there's a lot happening in the government relations realm. And in particular, there was just a federal budget that was announced last week. Deb, why don't we start with you in terms of that budget? What did it say about agriculture? What's in it for us? So the federal budget's quite remarkable this um, this year. We don't normally see um, agriculture being mentioned in the budget, and there are many budgets that don't mention agriculture at all. This budget mentions uh, agriculture in a number of places and has a number of financial uh, supports that are being mentioned in the budget. So it's um, it's uh, something we don't normally see, and uh, this is pretty remarkable to see agriculture. So you're I mean, that's a real indicator that the federal government is interested in agriculture. Um, In some cases, it's responsive to some of the requests that we've made to the federal government. And um, and then in some cases, there are other uh, items that are in the budget that just um, that address agriculture. Rob, I know you've been through the entire budget. Can you give us some of the highlights? Well, I can talk a little bit to that, uh, Rachel. So, I mean, one item that has got a lot of attention is uh, the promise uh, that the government would um, set aside $100 million for carbon tax um, rebates on propane and natural gas. And so the the thing about that announcement is that the exact wording says that the government's intention is to return a portion of the proceeds of that tax. And so the thing we don't know is what portion that's going to be but that certainly is is something that um has uh, captured a lot of attention that's a that is is a good thing depending on what the details are the um the other thing with respect to uh for grain farmers particularly for growing drying of grain they indicate that they will set aside 50 million dollars um from the agricultural clean technology program for the purchase of more efficient grain dryers and again, we don't know the exact details of that and what uh, likely that's going to be some form of cost share. And we don't have the details on that. But those are certainly two things that are important for grain farmers um, finding relief from the carbon tax on grain drying. And one thing I will note, too, is that that number is not just for grain drying. It also is going to include um, all farmers uh, use of propane and natural gas on farms. So that could include barns. And so when we look at that number, uh, certainly it's large enough, it seems, to cover the cost of carbon tax on grain farming. But when you add in livestock barns, you know, we don't know exactly the number that uh, uh, the total number of costs across all Canada uh, for for propane and natural gas, uh, the carbon tax on that. Rob, you've done some analysis of the numbers, though, in terms of how much um we estimate that the, that we're paying for the carbon tax, specifically for drying our crops. Can you go over those numbers for us? Yeah. So in 2019, uh, which was a particularly bad year, um, and if we had the duplicate uh, year, uh, let's say this year, the cost would be about $34 million for carbon tax alone in Ontario. And a normal year, it might be about half that, about $17 million. Across Canada, it's more of an estimate. We don't, I don't know these figures exactly, but I have taken the time to look at, you know, what the crop situation across, inter- across Canada would be. And in a worst case scenario, like the year in two, that, 2019 that was very wet, 
it, it could reach as high as $90 million across Canada, about $45 million in a normal year. So you can see that the $100 million would, would cover the total cost uh, of that in this particular year. And I, and I should say that the budget indicated that 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 hundred million would rise as the carbon tax increase, which of course it's going to do up to $170 a ton in 2030. So, um, so it looks like it could provide some significant coverage. Again, we don't know what portion though the government has in mind as far as the coverage. Is there any indication on when we might know those details? Uh, I'm not aware of, of the, when uh, the details will be coming out. Um, Deb, what about Bill C-206? There was a little bit of a talk around that when it, it passed uh, into a committee. Are we still supporting that bill? Is the announcement in the budget sort of overriding what we're asking in terms of grain drying with Bill C-206? How is that playing in? Well, you know, we've been talking to the federal government and all of the parties over um, since the the um, p- price on pollution has been set by the federal government and we recognize the impact on uh, grain drying. So we've been that's been going on over, you know, the last year or so. Um, and we've had some good discussions with the minister um, about recognizing this. And I think that's why you're seeing um, that mentioned in the budget, um, there is, I mean, the one really positive thing in the budget is the acknowledgement that there aren't readily available alternatives, um, for grain drying. So, um, that's, that's a real, um, um, important statement in itself. The bill 206 is in committee right now, and we've put a submission in, to um, the committee, um, and we've met with the committee members over, um, you know, many times over the last year, you know, multiple times for each one of the um, uh, parties, just to make sure that they understand the importance of, you know, this cost on farmers. And, you know, that bill contemplates an exemption. Um, So I think we're expecting to see that come back to the House uh, after the next few meetings, and that would be good to see. Um, it had all party support going into committee, and we'd like to see that continue. The government obviously has a big climate improvement focus. Um, Rob, can you talk to us a little bit more about uh, the budget? What does it propose on the front of climate change, and in particular with um, you know uh, clean technology programs and how they're implementing the clean fuel standard that we've heard a lot about recently? Yeah, a couple more items on the fuel side of things. Um, $10 million have been allocated over the next two years from the Agricultural Clean Technology Program, and that's aimed at, um, as the budget states, um, powering farms with clean energy and moving off diesel. So that's that's in the budget. Um, there's also um, a $67 million set aside to implement and administer the clean fuel standard, and that would um, that would include uh, a number of industries, but obviously also farmers. Um, so that's over seven years. So they are moving ahead certainly on that on that issue. Another big topic when we're talking about fuel and the availability of uh, energy here in Ontario is Line 5. Uh, Deb, I know that we've been doing a lot uh, 
on that front as well in terms of just making sure that um, we know what how that is going to impact farmers here in Ontario. Can you let us know where we're at in terms of Line 5 and explain a bit about what Line 5 is, perhaps for those that aren't familiar with it? Well, Line 5 is an important pipeline that brings um, 50%, over 50% of fuel into uh to Ontario and into Quebec. And we have been working with Enbridge and a number of other stakeholders to raise this issue uh, with parliamentarians. This line goes through the U.S. and uh, the Michigan governor is, uh, she wants to uh, have that shut down. So, um, you know, Enbridge is working hard to, um make sure that that doesn't get shut down because it really is a key part of energy security for our province and um, for the province of Quebec. And so um, really the issue is, is it's going to require intervention from the U S um, at the highest levels and the um, parliamentarians have been meeting um, here to raise the issue as well. Um, and have the prime minister uh, raise the issue with um, the president and see what uh, what can be achieved um, before that deadline in May, um, because May is the deadline for it to be shut down. But, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of optimism that uh, that this issue is at the top of people's um, agendas and uh, and we're we're supporting that. Again, environment and climate change is, is a big issue here with the, with the federal government. Uh, Rob, there's some other proposed uh, funding programs that have to do with climate action and, and the environment in this budget. Can you talk a bit about those for us? Yeah, sure. So there's three big ones that I'll, I'll mention here. And the first is uh, one called the Agricultural Climate Solutions Program. And that's $200 million over the next two years, starting in 2021. And it's um, it's has a number of initiatives, but the budget indicated that it would have a focus on nitrogen management. So that's important for grain farmers to be aware of. Uh, $60 million from the Nature Smart Climate Solutions Fund, which is going to target existing wetlands and trees on farms. And um, and finally, um, there's a very large fund that's in existence already, um, but I wanna mention it. Uh, it's called the Strategic Innovation Fund. And it's um, it's gonna be, funded with $7.2 billion over seven years. Now, there's a lot of components to that fund. $2.2 billion of that will be for innovative projects across the economy, which includes agriculture. So obviously not focused um, just on agriculture, but it's, it's uh, for, for um, helping get projects that, um, you know, that have a, have a, both an economic and and a climate uh, focus uh, as well. So I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but uh, the details on on the type of matching funding is not really um, not really out yet. So we'll be keeping our eye on that to see exactly what comes out of those programs and how grain farmers can take advantage of them. Our farmers have been uh, struggling with the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the impacts on farm. And this budget does have a couple of line items that may be of interest to our farmers, particularly those who perhaps aren't strictly just grain farmers um, and may have other aspects to their business, um, such as with the temporary foreign workers program and some of the um, available funding for that. Rob, do you know anything about those programs? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the numbers, uh, certainly. Um, and you're right, Rachel. Um, uh, many farmers uh, who, um, who have um, uh, temporary farm workers on farm have struggled this past year, and the budget sets aside $57.6 million to help with mandatory isolation support. So, uh, so that's important for farmers who would have um, uh, access that program and access labor through that. Um, I will mention one other one other um, uh, item in the budget that probably is the most certain of all the budget uh, items we've been talking about, and maybe for many farmers, really, really significant. And that is a tax measure where the government has um, uh, is going to allow uh, for farms that are operating in a Canadian-controlled private corporation, so in a corporate structure, they're running their farm in a corporation, they're going to allow immediate expensing for certain types of property. So um, in other words, uh, instead of the normal scenario where you buy a piece of equipment and then you would, it would be expensed or depreciated over a number of years to, in tax language, it's called the capital cost allowance. Um, instead of uh, spreading that out over a number of years, the budget's going to allow $1.5 million of that to be expensed in the year that you purchase it and it becomes available for use. So that's really significant, particularly for grain farmers that um, if prices remain strong in the coming year or two, then this will be really useful for helping in their tax management. It's not going to be for things like buildings or quota, like long um, assets that are expensed over um, you know, 10, 20 years, but more for equipment. So this is something that um, producers, grain farmers that are farming in a corporate structure, they really should be talking to their accountants about. And all accountants, farm accountants will be aware of this and will be um, certainly talking to their clients about it. But that's, that is really good news and it's really clear. So that's something that is positive. One of the few clear points to the budget, and you mentioned we have to wait and see in a lot of things, but it sounds like this one is something that people can readily make use of. Yes, for sure. Now, Deb, what about business risk management programs? We, I know, have had some success at the provincial level in terms of getting some additional funding. Was there anything in this budget uh, about BRM programming? And where, what do we see on that front? Yeah, you're right. We did have um, the province put in uh, $50 million into RMP this year, or last year, I guess it was. And uh, that was a, a real boost to the RMP program and the programs that um, our farmers rely on to address um, that kind of risk. Um, there is, you know, our, our minister in the province has been advocating with the federal, provincial, territorial ministers to improve agri-stability. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we've been working hard to encourage um, all of the ministers and the minister federally to improve agri-stability coverage by raising the uh, trigger to 85% and removing the RML. Um, on And that, uh, that, that removal of the RML did take place about a month ago. The FET ministers, those all the provincial ministers across the province and the federal minister agreed to remove, remove the RML from agri-stability, but um, we haven't been able to convince them um, all to, uh, to improve that trigger. So when you look at the budget, it is disappointing to not see 
something about business risk management in the budget. Um, the last uh, federal election, the Liberal Party um, and other parties had a mention of agri-stability specifically um, and improving it. So it's kind of shocking to see that um, they haven't included something on agri-stability in this budget or disappointing anyway. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're going into the next round of the Canadian Agricultural Partnership or the Agricultural Policy Framework, the agreement um, that uh, all the provinces and the federal government have on um, agricultural programming, which has two components, business risk management and, um, and uh, non-business risk management programming. So without some indicator in the budget on that, uh, on BRMs, you know, we're really going to have our work ahead of us to kind of increase that envelope of money that's available to protect the risks that agri-stability was supposed to, but is not able to without the right amount of money in it. So, um, you know, we're pairing internally here on how we approach the next um, Canadian Agricultural Partnership, the CAP program, um, and working alongside the Ag Growth Coalition uh, that we formed um, probably, I guess, five years ago to address the lack of appropriate BRM programming um, that's available for farmers across the country. And uh, that's where we're at really on that at this point. So, Deb, it sounds like there's a lot going on um, in terms of the government relations work that you are doing and that you have actually been able to be quite successful over the past year with the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm just wondering, in, in light of this federal budget, I've heard it referred to as uh, an election budget. What do you see happening over the next year and how is COVID-19 impacting your ability to get your government relations work done and make those connections with politicians? Well, actually, you know, we've had... Um a lot of access to politicians um, over the last year. Uh, there's definitely an interest in um, agriculture because of COVID. It, you know, there's no, there seems to be a recognition of the role that agriculture plays in delivering food and, and economic uh, contributions by both the provincial and federal government. They have been hosting regular um, interactions uh, with uh, the farm groups to identify the issues that are facing farmers because of COVID. And then I, I mean, as far as raising our other issues um, that are not related to COVID with government, we've had a lot of access. Uh, last year, GFO was um, recognized as one of the top 10 um, uh, farm groups across the country uh, who have, um, as the top 10 lobbyists, I guess, across the country federally. And that's really based on the number of meetings that we've had with um, federal politicians. So, you know, we haven't had any shortage of access. Um, there seems to be um, a great understanding when we meet with people. I know uh, on agri-stability, I don't remember meeting with anyone who said that they didn't think agri-stability should have been fixed. Um, in fact, the entire rural caucus of the Liberal government uh, said that agri-stability should be fixed with a trigger, and they put that into um, into the cabinet um, 
as a recommendation. So we've had access, but um, there are some things that still need work um, for sure. Well, I want to thank both of you for taking the time to uh, give us an update on what's been happening and, and how we've interpreted the budget and what could be in there of use for our farmer members. Uh, I appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Joining me today on the podcast, we have CEO Crosby Devitt. Hi, Crosby. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Paige. It's great to be here again. Well, we're happy to have you. So a few things have happened in the past couple of weeks since we've last had you on the podcast um, with the budget being released and some announcements by AgriCore. So let's kind of jump into what's going on with AgriCore and what that would mean for our farmer members and the news that they kind of put out there. Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, AgriCore delivers our production insurance program and the RMP program and a number of uh, farm programs. And uh, um, you may remember that last year at the beginning of COVID, um, they extended uh, production insurance coverage to include uh, losses due to on-farm labor disruption due to COVID. And uh you know, for the most part, last year uh, on the cropping side, uh, there was you know not too much disruption in terms of getting the crop in and, and harvested everything, which is great. Uh, but that coverage is still in place and and uh, co- covers farmers for the 2021 program year as well. And so, so we hope that uh, there's very little uh, need for it, but it's a it's a really uh, it's a good move to ensure that that coverage is there. Should for example, on the cropping side, there be uh, losses due to labor disruption, right, due to COVID. So uh, it's, it's positive to have that uh, kind of peace of mind uh, in addition to the regular coverage through crop insurance. Exactly. And I think it's definitely worth it to have just, you know, because you never know if something's going to happen or, or, you know, you need that little bit of extra assistance if needed. Yeah, and I think, you know, for anyone that's interested, um, sure, certainly I think AgriCorps has communicated that to all clients, but there, like any insurance, there's uh, certain provisions in there and, and rules around it and coverage. So, you know, make sure you understand what's covered and what's not. Uh, and I think they, if, if anybody has any questions, they've said, you know, contact AgriCorps, talk about it, make sure you understand your coverage, which, which makes perfect sense uh, as we go into the planting season. The 2021 budget was finally released last week, and there was a fairly large announcement made in terms of providing support for farmers and on the price of pollution. What are your thoughts on this announcement? Yeah, so last week, the federal government uh, announced their their budget, first budget in quite a long time, and it was a big one uh, overall. Um, you know, as, as grain farmers, we're always interested in if there's... Uh, things that are that are important to farmers in there and there were a, a couple areas and and one in particular um, is an inclusion of a, a rebate for uh, of the carbon tax or the price on pollution uh, for grain drying and uh, there was about a hundred million dollars in the budget for that um, and with more details to come and so certainly that is a positive development uh you know prior to this budget there was no rebate or provision for that escalating carbon tax that uh, applies to propane and natural gas on drying which is very significant and becoming more significant as the carbon tax uh, 
increases over time. So uh, from a grain farmer's perspective, that's a really positive development. Um, our work isn't done. Of course, uh, we now want to make sure that that rebate is delivered efficiently, effectively, and in a timely way that uh, farmers aren't waiting for that uh, in a significant way and that it, uh, it covers as much of the, the tax that they've paid as possible. Um, because it, it is quite significant and it's something that that grain farmers have been pushing for uh, for a long time, uh, basically since it was since it was conceived uh, in terms of a new a new tax. And you know, just on that, I think the the ultimate scenario for for grain farming and farmers in general is an exemption from the carbon tax. Um, you know, there's just no ability for farmers to pass that on to their customer. We're in a global marketplace. Um, but in the absence of a full exemption at this point, um, a rebate uh, could be very positive. I mean, I know that at the end of the day, exemption would be ideal, but a little bit of give uh, is is not a bad thing either, especially when it's, you know, rebates involved and, and trying to make sure that those rebates are, are going to end up in the hands of the farmers across, not just only Ontario, but across Canada too as well. Yeah, that's ultimately it, right? Uh, you know, the the cost is paid by farmers, and so it should go directly back to uh, back into their uh, into their pockets. And and really, what will happen is those farmers are going to reinvest into their operations. Of course, farmers are always looking at ways to do things better, and and as we do things better, uh, it's it's almost always beneficial on the environmental side, anyway. So uh, so it can be a win win. Yeah, for sure. And there was also, I believe in the announcement that there was also some uh, funds available for farmers that were looking at more sustainable ways to improve their farm. Am I correct on that one? Yeah, there was a few uh, announcements in terms of programs to help uh, environmental performance or carbon reductions. Uh, You know, at this point in the budget, you don't get a lot of details. So I, you know, we're certainly watching and and going to be communicating and, and trying to get more details. And uh, and hopefully those programs can have some benefit uh, to farmers on their operations directly. Um, but uh, it's, we don't have a lot of details on those on those at this point. But uh, it, it, hopefully it is beneficial for farmers. Well, thank you, Crosby, for your time and for joining me on the podcast today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and have a chat. Thanks, Paige. Just want to uh, wish everyone uh, a safe planting season and uh, hope the crops go in in a timely way and uh, into good conditions and we get the rain at the right time through this growing season. We've got a lot of good potential ahead of us. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Deb Conlin, Rob Gamble, and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.